welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics that are relevant to women today. We'd love to continue the conversation with you and support you on your life's journey. Just join us in our community. Search Facebook for The Inspired Women Community and request to join. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Okay, guys. Hi, we are here today with Kelly Ruda. And I have to give you guys a little backstory about how I know Kelly, because I know a lot of you have been following me for a while. Maybe you listen to the podcast and you've heard my story about when I first started my business. I went to this conference and I sat down with some coaches. Well, Kelly was one of those coaches that is like, why are you not doing these things? Just do it. Just start. And I was just like, okay. And I've worked with Kelly a few times since then. And, and I'm so glad she's on the podcast. So I'm going to introduce you guys to her. So Kelly Ruda is a seasoned therapist turned mindset and high performance coach for female entrepreneurs. And I love this part of your bio, Kelly, as her style of coaching and speaking has best been described as Gary Vaynerchuk meets Brene Brown, ass kicking with a heart, because I have to agree with that completely. <laughs> Knowing you and I've worked with you, I'm like, yes, that's I was reading this. So I'm like, that's so so true. Kelly's 20-year career has been spent helping women rise above serious challenges and take back their businesses and lives. Her clinic, her clinical and life experiences with diverse people and challenges make her uniquely qualified and an expert at helping women traver- traverse, sorry guys, the mindset obstacles that arise in today's entrepreneurial world. Kelly's big why is to positively impact female entrepreneurs worldwide by coaching them to become empowered leaders in business and in life. When Kelly isn't working, she is hanging with her husband and two sons, often on the baseball field, but preferably on the beach with a good book and a journal. I love the beach as well. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I could hang out at the beach all day, every day, it would be my happy place. Uh, my husband, not so much because he does not like the sand or the heat, but I love it. So Kelly, I wanted to have you on the podcast because we've actually mentioned you and your group on several of podcasts because I've had a couple people in your group on as well for um, interviews. And we've talked about your group and when you, I was in your group or I still am in your group and I'll link it up in the show notes, inspiredwomenpodcast.com. One thing that really, really got me was when you shared your story. Uh, because if, when people meet you, Kelly, you are a strong, powerful, like driven woman and Mm -hmm you know, they see you. And when you shared that story, it, it brought you to a level of humanity <laughs> that it really drew me. So I, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is to share a bit of your story because we might have women listening that might start following you and I hope they will be, and join your group and see you, but your story will help them see that you've been through some stuff too. Yes, girl. So so the first thing I want to say is thanks for inviting me on and thanks for mentioning me at other times. That's so, you know, honoring and humbling. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I share my, my story pretty openly and freely because I've had so many people ask me, have you just always been like this? Have you just always been a go-getter and this confident and unshakable? And it, it just, I laugh anytime somebody asks me that because the answer is a resounding hell no, <laughs> like not at all. So, you know, I, I, uh, I grew up in like an upper middle class family. So from the outside, everything looked really nice, you know, like nice house, nice cars, nice vacations, all like it was a pretty picture 
Um, but you know, it wasn't like that on the, on the inside. And so there was lots of dysfunction, uh, lots of, of verbal and emotional abuse. Um, and over the years, what ended up happening was I really developed some major psychological stuff. I was depressed for a long time. I was diagnosed with major depression. Uh, that was on and off for God, that, that must have been almost 10 years. I was suicidal twice in those 10 years at age 14 and age 19. Um, then in my 20s, I developed a uh, panic disorder, like literally out of nowhere. And in, in between all of that, I, I developed a really serious eating disorder. And that lasted seven years before I got into, uh, into some treatment for that and fortunately have not... Um, have not relapsed, but the point being, you know, there was not a time in my life prior to my late twenties when I would have told you things were good or stable or joyful or, um, happy or healthy for any extended period of time. And if you were to sort of bump into me now and we sat and had dinner you, you probably wouldn't be able to figure that out about me. But the important point is that people understand that, no, I was not born with confidence and no, there, there isn't anything special about me that would allow me to turn that completely around, but not allow you to turn your circumstances completely around. It's just the inner game. It's mastering the inner game. And so thank you for asking me to share that because it's important that people hear that it is absolutely possible to completely change your circumstances and your inner experience of life and yourself and business and money and relationships, all of it. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I want to know, like, what was that catalyst for change for you? Because for everybody, there's always this thing, this thing happens or, you know, this thought occurs or you know, maybe it was a rock bottom moment that made you decide, like, I can't continue to live in this cycle of, like you said, you had an eating disorder and that's something really hard to kick. Like, yes. what, what was that deciding point for you? You know, healing from an eating disorder and not sinking back into major depression is something I, I don't want to say I'm proud of, but I, I, it really helped me become the person I am today because the truth for me was that if I could survive that and begin to thrive, then nothing was going to stop me. Nothing. Because the recidivism rate for um, eating disorder is really, really high. Any kind of addiction is really, really high. And so I knew that I was not ever going to go back there. And the reason I wasn't going to go back there is because I decided to work on my mind while my body was healing. And, you know, I get asked this question a lot. It's, it's a powerful question. And I think a lot of people can have almost that like Elizabeth Gilbert eat, pray, love moment where they're on the bathroom floor, you know, going fetal and crying. I did. I mean, I had a lot of those moments. I'm not going to lie, but I don't know that there was any one moment. What I do know is that there was a realization that was pivotal for me. And that realization probably happened, uh, like my mid twenties, which what, cause I had gone on from 
um, undergrad school to go to grad school was just studying things more deeply and, and getting really into personal development. And what I realized, the powerful realization was that the voice of my ego and the voice of my inner critic was not me. The minute I realized that that voice was not who I was, I also realized that meant I had a choice to listen to it or not listen to it. And once that part of me woke up, I was like, oh, game on. Because I recognized I had choice and I was in control. So, I mean, I'm not going to tell you it was all puppies and roses from that moment on. There's been a lot of work and a lot of development for me to get to where I am today. But that one realization really empowered me. Were you already in school to be a therapist at that time, or did you decide to change um, your major? Yeah. yeah, so that's a really good question. So um, I originally went to school for psychology, and um, I thought that I would go on to be a psychology professor, and my favorite professor talked me out of it. She said, <laughs> in career, don't do it, unless you're really into research. And I said, no, I'm into helping people. And she said, don't do it go to social work school. And I was like, social work, what? And we talked about it from a practical perspective and I applied and I got in. And um, when I was in my last semester of college was when I got into treatment for my eating disorder. And as part of my treatment and part of my healing, I volunteered to speak publicly in schools all over New Jersey and in institutions all over New Jersey about um, what I had gone through and my process of healing to help other people. That woke me up. I loved it. I loved speaking and connecting and hearing from people that um, my story helped them heal and make different decisions. So I originally went to graduate school with the thought that I would go into working with um, adoptive families and, and adoption in the foster care system because I was told from the time I was about 16 that I was infertile. So I thought that's the route I would go. But when I got into graduate school, what I realized was I could be a very powerful transformational therapist. And I wanted to work with people with addictions. And that's what I went on to do. That's amazing. And I'm sure that you saw some really profound transformations because I know my ex um, that, you know, a little bit about my story, my ex that was abusive to me, he was an addict. And that is something... I mean, I'm sure just as hard to kick a, you know, eating disorder as it is to kick that, that, you know, an, an addiction to drugs or alcohol, but seeing those kind of transformations. So with such profound work that you were doing, what made you decide to do what you're doing today? Such a good question. So um, <clears throat> I grew up right outside New York City and about seven years ago, my husband and my sons and I decided to relocate south. So when we came down south, I didn't know anybody. I had lost all my connections. And so I just decided I was going to open my own, you know, therapy practice. So it was like blood, sweat, and tears. We completely refurbished the building and it was amazing. And then I was sitting at my desk about, I don't know, about six months into it. And I started to recognize this recurring thought that was, there's something bigger for you. There's something bigger for you. And it wouldn't go away. It kept coming back. It kept nudging me. And frankly, it was annoying me. That's what it was doing. Because I had created this, this successful business. It was full. It was flourishing. And yet there was some part of me that was no longer joyful doing the work. 
um, that was no longer lit up and feeling passionate and on fire about the work. And I knew in my heart that if I was not on fire all the time, that I needed to go do something else. So I started asking to be shown basically like, well, what does that mean? And what I kept getting over and over was continuing to do public speaking and coaching and mentoring. And so I, I decided to take a huge leap of faith and I hired a coach and I realized at that moment, this is what I am meant to do. This is my next step in the journey. And then I just never looked back. And I know a few women that have uh, have known you previously when you were a therapist and with what you're doing now. And they've said, like, you're powerful in either way, but <laughs> this seems to be your calling. Like, yeah. this seems to be the thing that you are meant to, to do. But for you... In the coaching space, I mean, people are like, oh, you've only been coaching like a couple years, but they don't see that this like, you know, 15, 20 years of time that you built up to where you are today. Do yeah. you ever come across people that are like, oh, you're like an overnight success sort of thing? You know, it's so funny because I think, you know, you have to be careful when you look at people online because you get snippets of their life and their mm -hmm. business things can just appear a certain way. So I am really sort of mindful and intentional about talking about the fact that I have 20 years of experience working with the human mind and psyche. And I had that before I ever stepped into coaching and that there is no overnight success. But what I will say is that when you take aligned action with um, what you are inspired to do or be that the universe will meet you halfway and, and bring you things with speed. And so what I chose to do had nothing to do with other people. In other words, like my husband, you know, as, as supportive as he is, was like, I'm sorry, you want to close the business we just opened and go do something else? What are you thinking? You know, my family, everybody was like, oh, good God, she's lost her mind, you know? Um, but it wasn't about them. It wasn't about what anybody else thought I should do. It was about me being aligned with my deepest desires and honoring that part of myself, even though it was really scary. And I think that's why my business has had some success with speed. And because when you're aligned like that and you take action in spite of being really afraid, the universe does rise up to meet you. It really does. Yeah. And I agree with you that there's a lot of, on, in the online space, a lot of comparisonitis where we're all like, oh, but you see this person and, you know, they've only been in business like six months more than me. Why am I not there? But we don't know all of the work that went on behind the scenes or even the stuff we don't see. Because let's be honest, a lot of people in the online space aren't very open and transparent about the struggles they're going through, about like, this is what I'm, I'm dealing with right now that we, we think it's all sunshine and roses. Everything's going great. And, and yeah. you know, that's must be how it is. And I know that I, we have, have a few mutual friends as well that, you know, I've, I've literally had somebody say, well, you know, you've worked with Kelly and she's doing really good, but you know, why aren't you to her level yet? I'm like, do you, <laughs> do you know all the work that she did to get to where she was before you even saw her like show up as a coach? Like, that's very unfair to not just for us to compare to each other, but for other people to compare people in the same space. Completely. And I think what also happens is you, 
we can negate that, that this for each of us is our own personal journey. This is not, you can't make what you're doing about what anybody else is doing. The only time I compare or allow myself to compare, because my brain would like to do it all the time. I, just, <laughs> I don't let it do that is when I look at a mentor that I respect, right? And I look at how she does what she does or, or what she does. And I ask myself, is there a takeaway from that that's aligned for me? And so really comparison for me is only about learning. In other words, is she doing something that's really helping her business um, or her mindset or her energy or something that might benefit me and help me to go to my next step? I do. I no longer allow myself to say, well, look at what she has and look at what she's doing and how come she can do that? And I can't, I mean, it is a downward spiral from there because her journey has nothing to do with mine. And so I beg of you to please stop doing that because it is really destructive to an empowered mindset when you compare yourself to other people. I, I completely agree. And I've recently started, I, I don't want to see this war against um, all this information, but this journey with my clients and, and how I'm working against all this information, because there's so much white noise, there's seven steps to a million dollars and all of this stuff that you're just like, that might have worked for you, but that's not going to work for every single person out Amen. there. Men. I just said that this morning. I did a webinar earlier today. And I, I couch everything I teach with that. I'll say, this is what's worked for me. This is what's worked for my clients. I'm going to teach it to you, but only take away what resonates with you. If it doesn't resonate and it doesn't feel good and you don't feel inspired, don't freaking do it. Don't do it. Because if it was one size fits all, we'd all be at the $10 million mark by now. So you can't, it's, it's not so cut and dry, you know? And so I think... People like myself have a real responsibility um, when we're being visible and teaching and coaching and all of that to be very honest about that and to be able to say this worked for me because I learned it over here and it resonated with me. The stuff that doesn't resonate with me, I don't do. Even if it's from the most famous visible person, I do not care. I do not care because just because it worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for me. Yes. I just made a, a Facebook live last week about how I spent a lot of money on a course, not, not your course. I loved your course, by the way, that I took. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to put that out there, but a course that I took that literally, uh, it did nothing for me. And I paid for this course that did nothing for me. And you introduced me to Amber Annette and I had a, one of her calls with her and she Good. said, you know, the reason this course didn't work for you because it's not for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it shouldn't have even been in your like vision, but the person had made it seem like, Oh, you know, this is, you know, exactly what you need. It's going to help you. It wasn't even something that needed me. And so like, I've always loved that your style of working with people is not this cookie cutter approach. No. It, no. Is, it is this, I'm going to share with you what I've learned. And you've said that specifically in webinars I've been in, what resonates with you, take with, try different things. If it doesn't work, move on. And I love that about you. Yeah. And, and the reason why I think 
this is important is because I do teach people a lot about how to work with and manage your ego mm -hmm. and to be aware of it and to be aware of how it can trip you up in business and in life and how to begin to discipline your thinking so that your ego is not in charge. And I see a lot of people online, these very visible, you know, successful people who often lead from a place of ego. And that's not, you can't be in your ego and of service at the same time. You can't. And so while I see some very powerful marketing out there that is really compelling, like really well-written, um, the way I make a decision is my intellect will process the marketing and the copy and the offer. And then I always ask my intuition whether or not it's an aligned decision for me. And it's been interesting because some of the big names out there who have put stuff out there, I'm like, wow, that is really impressive and it sounds all oh, that could be great and my intuition's like click x out of the page you know you don't need that do not do that do not go there and anytime i listen to my intuition i don't make a mistake i don't make a mistake so i think one of the things women have to uh get really comfortable with is tapping into your whatever you call your deeper wisdom and knowledge and be able to say no even when you know, somebody who is a celebrity or is visible or whatever puts out an offer to you. If it doesn't resonate, the answer is no, period. And I don't ever take that personally. When somebody says no to me, they know themselves well. They know themselves better than I do. And so I always honor a no, always. Yes. And I, I completely agree with you. That was my learning, my learning lesson from when I invested in this course was you know, I've, I've heard from other people who have taken the same course. They're like, it transformed my business. It did this. I'm like, it did absolutely nothing for me. Mm -hmm. But had I listened to that inner voice, I would have heard her screaming like, no, don't spend that money. Don't do that. And not in a way of like I scarcity, but in a way of this isn't your thing. And you yeah. have other places you could focus on instead of this one thing. But I didn't. It was a learning lesson. One yeah. of the you know, learning lessons in business. And I've had those learning lessons. Do you have any learning lessons or one in particular that stood out to you that you've learned in business? There's so many. I have to, <laughs> like, and I say that not to be funny, but because I've made so many mistakes. I mean, big ones. So, okay. This goes along with what we're, we're talking about. So I, uh, uh, the beginning of last year, I think it was the beginning of last year, I did my first formal launch because I thought you had to. I thought when you go to the next, next level, you have to do this big Jeff Walker style launch and uh, spent a lot of money on it and didn't make a single dollar back. And in the end, I lost $15,000 as a result of not listening. My inner self was saying, this is not your way. Like this is not your style. This is not for you. This, no, 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 no. And along the way, there was lots of things showing up to say, mm, no, but my belief that this is the way you do it, you have to do it this way, really crowded out my inner wisdom. I will never make that mistake again. And it had to happen that way. Why? Because it hit me in the wallet. And that's what was like, oh, girl, what went down here? 
And so afterwards, my team and I met and we kind of deconstructed what happened. And this is what we came across. And that each of them had the same hit too, that oh no, not, not the way, but none of us leaned in enough to trust it because it was not, maybe not a popular choice. You know what I mean? Now I do everything my way, everything my way. I do not care what everybody else is saying. And I'm not doing a traditional launch until if and when it feels really good. The moment it feels really good, then I'll do it. If it feels like crap, I'm not doing it. That's literally a, a wisdom nugget I want you to take away that you have to lean in. And that doesn't mean I'm not saying don't do it because it's just hard or it stretches you or makes you uncomfortable. I do that stuff all the time. But when you do trying to do something and you're getting massive resistance that feels icky, that's no, that's when I pull this, I pull the plug when that happens. Okay. So if my audience is listening and they're thinking, okay, Kelly, what's the difference between I'm uncomfortable, but I should do it mm -hmm. just because my fear is holding me back or I'm uncomfortable and I shouldn't do it because my intuition's saying no. Are there certain signs that we can look for or, you know, signals? Mm -hmm. So I can tell you a couple of things, right? For me, intuition shows up in a couple of ways. And I know this because I have been in a relationship with trying to understand my intuition since I was 14 years old. Um, and for me, intuition shows up either as something I see, not see, but see, yeah. <laughs> or I feel in my gut. I get like a, a, a feeling about it. And what I have learned from ignoring it over the years is that when I ignore it, very bad things happen. I mean, like very bad things, like car accidents and losing money and like crazy things. So I, you know, I, I suggest you lean into your body and how intuition shows up for you. It's, and it sounds woo and crazy and psychic and weird. And it's none of that because we all have access to intuition. It's just people, some people get triggered by it being weird. Um, I think my friends and family have been around me and my clients long enough now that they know when I stop them in the middle of a conversation and I go, all right, I keep hearing this word and I just have to tell it to you or it's just not going to leave me alone. They, they know, and I say what it is and they go, Oh, good Lord. Okay. Well, yes, that is the problem. And <laughs> it sounds weird and what, it, but it's, it's just the way I get things. And I've trusted it long enough now to know that when I hear something like that, it's important. I need to pay attention. So really I would ask you to begin to explore or with playful curiosity, you know, look at how intuition shows up for you and how you can begin to trust it and lean into it. So for me, you know, if I see something or I, I feel it deeply in my gut, or I also get weird goosebumps, I'll get goosebumps like on one chin. It's the weirdest thing <laughs> or like on my left forearm, but nowhere else. That to me is like a nod from the universe going, yeah, you're hitting on the thing that exactly it needs to be focused on. Um, and I just, you know, I could let doubt and weirdness, you know, kind of get in my way of that, but I, I don't. I just know enough now from practicing it and doing it over and over to listen to those things and it may sound weird, but it really guides me very, very well. 
No, I've seen far too many things happen um, that I can't explain for me to say, no, that's weird or that's woo. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but I almost got in a car accident one time. I was supposed to go to the mall with my friend. And at the last minute, I didn't feel good. I just didn't feel good. And I, I called her and I said, I can't, I can't go. Right after I get off the phone with her, I felt much better. And I almost called her back and said, I can go. But then the phone started ringing and it was her mom and she'd gotten a car accident and a fence pole had gone through the passenger side window right where my head would have been. Like it was, would have happened too fast for anybody to react. Like it would have taken me right out. So it was just, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. You know, it's that, that sort of thing that you have to trust. And, and for me, it's a gut check usually too. It's just like, this doesn't feel right. Like this isn't, and oftentimes, you know, there are times that I'll ignore it, like the course and then, you know, ta-da. But there's lots of things like that. And I feel like there is so much science to show us that that's something that we really need to take serious. It's not just a woo thing, but like your brain literally is taking in all of this stuff around us that we don't even realize in its way of saying like, Hey, listen, something's going on here. You know, I I agree. And, and what I would like to say about that is use it in business. Don't be afraid to use it in business. You know, don't be afraid to bring that into, you know, your, your entrepreneurial experience. I make business decisions from a combination of my head, my heart, and my gut. I don't leave any of those out. None of them. It, It is, a package deal when I make a decision. So don't be afraid to bring what might feel like a little woo into it because the truth is I don't really care what it is and I don't care what you call it. If it works, I'm doing it. (laughs) Period. That's so call it what you want, label it what you want, but it works well for me. So I'm sticking with it. And I think business is a lot of trial and error anyways, because you know, something might be working really well for you for a while and then things got to change. I know recently you made a pretty substantial change to what you're doing, what you're calling everything. So what triggered that for you? What inspired that for you? So I started to get more and more honest with myself that, um, that really when I'm in my zone of genius, the people who get the best results with me are, are at a certain stage in their business. And while I can, um, probably pretty well help people who are just starting a business. I get better results for women who have already experienced a certain level of success. And what they're desiring is that big, that big level, that big leap, that big expansion, because that's where so much of the mental stuff really starts to come up. And I've seen too many women Um, back away from it because they don't know how to handle the inner stuff that goes on. And so when I, you know, for any of us, when you work with an ideal client, you always get the best results. When we say, oh, you know, I should be working with this person or that person, or I, I, you know, I really don't know if I can do that, then you don't get the greatest results. So I was honest with myself that my greatest joy comes from doing that work and that the best results for other people come from doing that work. So it's really um, a journey of clarity and honesty about uh, what is true and what you really desire. And that will always point you in the right direction. I have to agree. Once you made that shift, even though it, for me, I was like, I don't feel like I belong anymore, but that's just because I'm not to that level that you're talking about. Like I'm, 
I'm yes. still in more of a yes. beginner stage. Yet. Yet. Yes. Yes. I'm not, I'm not to that level yet. Um, but I'm still more in the beginner stage, but I have to agree the clients that I've, I've, I've seen you work with that have gotten such amazing results. All your clients get amazing results, but seen profound, humongous results they tend to be the ones that are at a certain level in their business. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. So, you know, when you're in startup, one of the biggest things you're dealing with is reactivity. It's hard. Startup is really freaking hard and it's going to trigger every bone in your body. Once you've gotten to say around six figures, you, there is a new level of confidence that comes steps forward because you can look in hindsight and say, I did that already. I did it. And it opens you up to all these new questions, but all these new possibilities as well. And then women start to tap into what they truly desire. And maybe they go, mm, six figures was awesome, but I'm not stopping here that's who I work with. That's when they take these big ginormous leaps. Not that starting a business isn't a big ginormous leap. It is. It, and I looked like a mental patient when I did it. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm just saying it is really important and powerful that, that you and every one of your listeners be honest about what your zone of genius is and who your ideal client is. And that's a journey. That's not something you know just out of the gate. You test, you tweak, you serve a whole bunch of people, and then you just get really honest and clear about it, and you set limits and boundaries once you're honest and clear. Oh, I completely agree. It's been quite a journey for me. I feel like I'm still on it, like figuring out exactly who and you know which one of my clients did my message resonate with and who, what is the like, common factor be amongst them all. And, yeah. you know, it's really taking that deep look and it's okay to change and mold and yes. grow over time. Yes. Uh, and it's I know business owners know how to pivot with grace. Yes. And I know for you, that's been a huge thing. Cause I mean, since I've uh, known you for almost two years now, I think um, that it has been that it has yeah. been that, that change and pivoting. And I, it's very inspiring to me and I hope my listeners will start to follow you even if they don't feel like they're in your niche, like you're the, the your ideal client yet. Um, but you have yeah. such power, a powerful message that you share with women about mindset, about everything like that. So what would be, if somebody's listening and maybe they're not quite really expert in mindset and they're just starting out, what is a, a good way to start out with mindset? Mm -hmm. So uh, here's a couple of very, very basic things. And then I can, if it's okay with you, um, tell your listeners how they can get access to more for free that would help. Oh, absolutely. So a couple of basic things. Number one, you have to fully accept the truth that mindset work is not negotiable if you want real sustainable success, not negotiable. There's such an addiction, especially in online, the online space to strategy right now. And it is a big, big mistake. I mean, Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, even, I'm thinking of a particular business owner I worked with who she's over the seven figure mark now and was looking to do a, over 2 million this year. Wow. And, you know, she, they got to 500,000 by just 
hustling, 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 hustling. She was exhausted and unhappy and disconnected and not knowing where the joy was and not knowing even why they wanted to go to a million and does it have to be this way, blah, blah, blah. And once she realized that, that she had to start incorporating some consistent mindset work, all of that changed. It, it completely changed. So that's number one. Understand that mindset work and doing it consistently is non-negotiable. Now, that does not mean I sit on my meditation mat seven hours a day writing in my journal, right? Like I do... 30 minutes on a tight day and maybe an hour on a day where I have some more space in my calendar. I'm not talking about massive amounts of time and I don't do it on the weekends. I'm a Monday to Friday girl. Okay. So please don't buy into this idea that you have to go to an ashram in India and hang out for three months to get your mindset straight. It doesn't have to be like that. Who the hell has time for that anyway? So that's number one. Number two, understand everything that you do in business, every decision you make, Every experience you have, every relationship you develop, whether it's a team relationship or a joint venture relationship or a client or customer relationship, you bring your mind to every one of those things, all of them. And so your mind is really like tool number one to sharpen. You don't leave your mindset out of anything, anything. And so understand that whether you are consciously cultivating a powerful, what I call a millionaire mindset, or you're not, doesn't mean that your mindset isn't affecting everything. Okay, so understand how powerful your mind is. And number three, if this is say like your first rodeo with doing mindset work, the most important thing you can do is get clear on what you truly deeply desire through and in your business, both um, like tangible material things, but also experiences and how you want to feel about your, your business and the work you do. And then get really clear about what thoughts and beliefs you have that are currently keeping you from having and experiencing those things. Some things are so simple, they're mind-blowing. Things like when I do money mindset work with, with people. So I'll give you an example. I, I was talking to somebody the other day who is, I think, around the $200,000 mark, and she wants to go to five hundred grand. And she said to me, I worked my ass off to get to $200,000. Does that mean I'm going to have to more than double the work I do to get to five hundred grand? Well, if that was true, who the heck would do it? <laughs> who would do it? We'd be constantly exhausted and miserable and ir irritable and 7,000 pounds overweight. And I mean, forget it, you know, and, and binge drinking. So, but that's all based in mindset, what you believe to be true. So start listing out all of the beliefs you have that limit your ability to create what you want. And then I have a very, very special training for you. Um, it's a free training. It's my five steps to uh, really rewiring your brain to have beliefs that support what you want. It's a video training with uh, PDF downloads and you can get it just as a gift for joining my Millionaire Mindset Masters free Facebook group. It's in the file section. Just head over there, click to join, and then once you're in, uh, you can just go to the file section and download it. Yeah, and I'll be linking the uh, group up in the show notes, inspiredwomenpodcast.com, and all of your links so everybody can connect with you. 
So this has been absolutely amazing. I'm so happy that you came on and shared your story with everybody and shared all this this knowledge. If there's one thing that you could leave my audience with, we have a mixture of women, all walks in life. They mm -hmm. need to know either about mindset or your journey or whatever it might be, whatever you want to leave them with, what would that be? Mm -hmm. um, it would be this. You are given your unique wants and desires, your daydreams, your visions, your, um, your plans, your inspiration. You are given that because it is possible for you to have it. The universe would not give you this persistent vision of yourself or what, whatever experience you're having if you could not go out and manifest and create it. I mean, good God, that would be the greatest, like sickest joke ever <laughs> if, if that's what the universe did. You know what I mean? So if there is a dream, a vision, a, a desire that isn't just a momentary like, ooh, that would be cool, but the thing that just keeps coming back to you all the time, then listen to it, lean into it, ask for support, invest in support and ask for support from whatever you believe the divine is, you know, and lean in and believe you can have it because you truly, truly can. Don't ever, ever give up on yourself ever. That's the best I can leave you with. That's an amazing amazing ending to this entire podcast interview because I can just, you helped catapult me into what I'm doing today. Like you were one of the people that was just like, um, just do it, just start. And I mean, it hasn't been a perfect journey. It's definitely had its ups and downs as all entrepreneurs go through. But if I hadn't just started, like you told me to, then I would still be today without a podcast. We would not be doing this interview. Uh -huh. I would not have a business because I would still have all the reasons I should not have a business and all the things I had to do. And I wouldn't have learned so much in the last year that I've been able to learn just because I started doing it. Yeah. Don't ever let perfection be the thing that stops you. Do I do everything with the agreement with myself that it will be imperfect and that is just fine. Yes. And that's where you're going to learn the most lessons from, yes. right? Because <laughs> when you make, mis if you don't make mistakes, you can't learn anything from that. No, no. There, and there's no such thing as failure. So you don't have to be afraid of it. If I can flop on my face and lose $15,000 and get up and regroup the next day and blow up my business, you can too. The only difference is I decided that wasn't a failure. I decided it was an opportunity to grow and expand. So you have to decide what those things mean to you. And if you decide that there is no such thing as failure, then you got nothing to worry about. I always say there's no mistake is a failure unless you don't learn from it. Yeah. Yep. Agreed fully. <laughs> well, thank you, Kelly, so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with the audience and sharing your story. And I'll make sure to link everything up um, in the show notes so everybody can connect with you because they need to. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. This has been super fun. And yes, I would love to meet your listeners and to support them on their journey towards whatever their experience of going big is. So thank you again for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspire Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.